Watch this. Hello and welcome back to the Cookie Jar Golf Podcast. I am Tom Mills and today I'm joined by Sam Williams. Hello. And Sir Bruce Fitzpatrick. Howdy. G'day. G'day, Bruce. Uh, as always, guys, you can get in touch with us on at Cookie Jar Golf on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And keep an eye on YouTube tomorrow because tomorrow night we are dropping a little sneaky preview for you of our Scotland trip, which was heat. Absolutely. Heat landing. And we also get in there a little shot of Bruce playing into Castle Stewart, I believe, with a mm. cheeky little elite reference to the Tiger President's Cup 2005. Do you know, I've gone back and re-listened to that, and I've had to cut out a little bit just afterwards where he walks back towards the camera saying, absolutely flushed that, flushed it, Ooh. I've absolutely flushed it. <laughs> what was it, Your about film. 235 yeah. iron flagged it to a foot? Even, 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 even a blind squirrel finds an acorn. No, it's been shared. Been shared on a few channels uh, ahead of schedule. I've got a few leakers mm. in the cookie jar who just l- leaked the video out to the press early, and it kind of made rounds. <laughs> As in <press> yourself, <laughs> <laughs> guys, I'm... watch this five iron. I mean, to be fair, if it came from your phone, I'd kind of question the noise it makes off the face because it's pretty serious, isn't it? <laughs> it's a piercing noise, and we'll maybe we'll just put it up on standalone format just for our listeners. I think so. And, I think we can just viewers. maybe as the teaser to this podcast, we can just yeah. put up the fizzing five iron. But um, obviously, <sighs> we've just had the Masters, and I'm going to start it. I'm going to throw it out there for you boys. Um, was the Masters boring? No, absolutely not. I mean, I should declare I've got COVID at the moment. So I've spent the last <laughs> few days laid up. I have. I have not been well. I've actually got the positive result pack um, from a test I've done recently. And I felt pretty poor. I'm sure people will be curious now. I felt, I genuinely felt like I had a fairly bad head cold for a, a basis of about five days or so. Um, and then I knew something was rotten in Denmark when I couldn't smell my son's dirty nappy on on friday evening and thought we'd better go and better go and get this checked out but you know it was a perfect excuse to spend a whole weekend sat in front of the sat in front of the tv and i mean i must have seen nearly every single shot from that weekend's golf i, I don't think it was boring soaking up butch Harmon's superlatives and uh the horrendous delay on his zoom co- zoom connection <laughs> i lost i lost track of how many times butch Harmon said he was impressed with sung jay in i was like Mate, he is one of the best golfers on the planet. I've got to tell you, and I'm really impressed with this guy this week. So, well, he's winning on the PGA Tour. Yeah, he's a really good golfer. I mean, he's one of the best out there. I think I think one of my favorite butch things is when, at the end of a sentence, he just goes, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Butchisms. <laughs> yeah, well, you could see that. Mm. I think Cameron Smith's um, shot from under the trees on nine, as that was kind of meandering its way around to the pin, it sounded like he was. Um, How about this shot? <laughs> he was close to climax at one point. Um, mm. I, one, uh, seeing as you're the kind of master's encyclopedia for this pod, Sam, um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, because I heard it from a friend the other day. Did Butch mention he'd been coaching Rory McIlroy out in Vegas recently, or they spent four hours together? Uh, apparently, I, I heard that he said they'd done a bit of work together because Rory obviously hasn't been able to see Michael Bannon, his longtime coach, um, because of lockdown and the travel restrictions. So apparently he spent four hours with Butch just working on a couple of things that have crept into his swing since the lockdown and, and hence why he's not 
you know replicated the sterling form which he had at the back end of last year and the start of this year but i would want the the cookie jar to be the purveyor of misinformation and fake news so that's why it sounds I, like I you're trying it sounds like you see right. sound like very hard well, mate, i'm not i'm not I'm not the one who said I watched pretty much every waking moment of, of Masters coverage. So maybe I didn't mean I listened that. to every bit of vitriol that came out of the commentator's mouth about most of it. It was hard to decipher what was about anything except except from Bryson and DJ, to be fair, for the whole weekend. Um, how no, painful I was the uh, how painful was the rain delay when at the beginning when all they had to do was talk about for about four hours was Bryson and it was just. Oh, Bryson after Bryson after Bryson. So it was boring. actually strange, wasn't it? Because it was like, you know, when you go to sleep before a monthly medal, before you go out and play golf, and in your head, you play the round, don't you? So it's like, yeah, I can probably get it sort of about 300 at the gut of the fairway on hole one. I'll probably stick wedge into about 10 feet, probably make birdie, maybe par, give myself par. And you do that for 18 holes in your head before you play. And that was pretty much what Doherty and, and Coltart and the guys in the studio were doing on every hole. It was like, yep, this will be a wedge for Bryson. And I don't know. I, I, it's, you could yeah. have seen that coming a mile off. What was your I take, was, um, I was going to watch the rain delay live and then I just decided to carry on living my life really and, and, and doing a few other things uh, on, on that Thursday <laughs> afternoon. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't tune in until they actually started playing golf, but um, I'd have to have to take a pass on that. For, for me, uh, personally, I found lockdown. I found, not lockdown, boring. lockdown is boring. I found the last day of the Masters boring. Gonna throw out there. Mm. Just it, watching yeah. DJ just walk to victory with nothing. He was never going to lose it. I just, I just lost interest. It was looked close, didn't it, for the first few holes actually. So when he he looked he looked brittle on the was it the second hole when he flubbed the, the chip. Brittle. Oh. It was. There was a sort of straight out of my short game, sort of eighteen months ago. Really, it was a very brittle approach. But that was one shot, and I thought, mm, okay, he then. Stiffed the bunker shot, knocks it in for par, onto the next tee, and it was just a cakewalk, wasn't it? And you got to feel bad for Cameron mm. Smith, haven't you? Shoots four rounds in the 60s. No one's ever done that at Augusta, period. And, I mean, he was like five shots off. I mean, many years yeah. he wouldn't have gotten near the leaderboard with that kind of distance from the from the winner. Yeah, yeah, remarkable. Um, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, going back to your point there, Mills, about it being a little bit anticlimactic, I don't know if part of that is just we're unfairly measuring it against the yardstick that that Tiger in the 2019 Masters brought when you had, you know, the best players in the world all all right up there and Tiger having a two-shot lead coming down the, the closing stretch and looking to put an end, you know, towards sort of a, a looking to put an end to a 11-year major drought. So, I don't know. In the end... I, I think it, it was as good as we could hope for, and we just we should all just be fortunate that, or lucky, I guess, that the Masters went ahead at all. Really, it, it still yeah, definitely had that kind of crowning achievement, really, for DJ, for a guy who, who's I don't want to say he's been an underachiever because obviously he's won so many regular tour events and has probably been the best player in the world over the last ten, fifteen years. But yeah, it was nice to see him sort of get a little bit closer towards the reputation he deserves. I think you're absolutely right, and I think if you think about what happened with Rory, for instance. So Rory went, started with an overpar round mm. and then went on a rampage and finished 11 under or 10 under, whatever he finished at. And you think even actually if he'd started as a kind of a five under round, with the way he was playing, he still wouldn't have competed. He still wouldn't have been 
in the realms of of what DJ was doing. But what I what I wanted to check with you boys is, do you think this is going to go down as obviously DJ shot twenty under, which is the lowest Masters score ever? Mm. Do you think this is going to go down as lowest score asterisk being played in November and being soft? And do you think it's going to be always oh, that little? I I think. I think the course was was easy day one and day two, relative to what it usually is. It wasn't the greens weren't as fast, were they? There, and they were so so soft. You could see the boy the balls landing. I mean, all the mud ball stuff like that was that was a bit repetitive, wasn't it? Every time there was a sort of a semi poor iron shot played, it was always a mud ball. I think even at one point, John Rahm's three wood that he topped from the middle of the ninth <laughs> of the eighth fairway. I'm pretty sure that was a mud ball. Um, some belief for what it can do out there. Really, it's just a different game, isn't it? Um, but I, I think the, and the course was, was definitely easy, wasn't it? I mean, you know, the, you've got the other guys, Fratelli, Cameron Smith, they'd have, they'd have romped it at 15 under, wouldn't they, most years? There must be something where, I mean, even even Rory being able to claw his way back, because he wasn't playing lights out golf, was he, for the entire three day three rounds afterwards, and shot 75. So, yeah, I, I think there's probably some truth there. Bruce? Yeah, definitely softer. And I definitely agree, you know, over the first few days, um, it, the course must have played easier. I think the, the, the stats would definitely show that if you, if you compared it to previous years. Um, and that's probably what underpinned the decision to not put the pins in the usual spots that they do on the Sunday, like, you know, down on the sort yeah. of left side of 16, where you're offering people the chance to make a hole in one, or you're certainly giving good shots at a, a very, very decent chance of making birdie. Um, so yeah, I think. Yeah, but it doesn't matter, does it? Like, it actually does. It's the same I mean, for everyone, though, isn't it? It's yeah, exactly. the same for everyone. It makes no and he's still yeah, one by five. Thing, yeah. Okay, well, well, let's let's move on to the winning margin. Do you think um, the winning margin is more important than the score? What, so, for instance, what do you mean? ninety-seven. Well, ninety-seven. Go Tiger. hand in hand, don't they? <laughs> You've got to shoot the lowest score and win by a margin. No, no, no. So in ninety-seven, Tiger won by twelve strokes, which okay. is the largest winning margin. He also shot 1897, but he won by 12 strokes. So the nearest guy was six under. Do you think that when you talk about um, yeah, achievements do. like lower score, that actually winning margin is more important than the score itself? Yeah, absolutely. There's that famous quote about Tiger winning the 2000 US Open at Pebble, where, again, I don't want to make another blunder because I probably already made one earlier in this podcast, but... I think Thomas Bjorn or Ernie, they finished second. Um, might not have been Thomas Bjorn, it might have been Jimenez. But whoever finished second at um, Pebble in 2000 said, yeah, we uh, we finished tied first in that event and Tiger Woods was playing a different golf tournament because he won by 15. Um, mm. And yeah, I think the winning margin, because that essentially tells you like relative mm. to the rest of the field how, how much better you were playing. Whereas, okay, you can shoot you can go and shoot 20 under, but if second place was 19 and the two people, you know, tied third on, on, on 18 or whatever, then clearly the course is playing easy. I think here, you know, DJ won by five, which is pretty dominating. Uh, it's pretty, um, decent margin of victory in a major, but, um, no, I, yeah, it was funny actually, wasn't it? Seeing the handover ceremony or the presentation ceremony rather when, when Tiger, was there witnessing, you know, um, Fred Ridley and Jim Nance talk about DJ setting the scoring record. And <laughs> you, mm-hmm. you'd love to have known what was going through his head there. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I, <laughs> I don't know. I think there's a lot kind of, yeah, I mean, he won by a healthy margin. It's not a Woods 97 destru- destruction, is it? It's not kind of, you know, how many shots do you say, Tom, in 97? 12 shots? You've obviously done your 12. research for this pod. Um, by the way, Bruce, you are spot on. It was uh, it was Jimenez and Bjorn, 2000 US Open. I didn't want to stop you mid-flow. Yeah. Obviously, I knew that stuff off the top of my head. Fantastic. Um, no fact-checking on this pod. There were some other pretty good highlights, I thought, to to the year. I thought um, to um, to the Masters, rather. The, um, I mean, we, it would be remiss not to say what an absolute beast Langer is. Do you not watch <laughs> that and just yeah, think? Yeah. yeah. This is ridiculous. Like, it's absolutely ludicrous. Mm. The fact that he can go out there and shoot that. Like, and the guy he just looks dialed, going about his business. He's like, yeah, he's talking about being 63. He's like, I'm still trying to win this thing. Like, you know, it's mental. Well, yeah, I mean, I he's never going to win it. I, I don't even no, know. You know what I mean? Like, he's, it, he's focused, isn't he? It's not I like think he takes pride in, in making the cut right. and actually turning in his best performance. Um, I don't know if he said thinks he can win it but yeah what is uh, remarkable is that um it's a course it's an event that you can really just manage your way around and and you know it's not stupidly long or penal off the tee box um so that maybe plays into people like langer's hands it certainly plays into someone's hand like woods who is Uh such an artist with with the eye iron play um and maybe you'd have lost a little bit of that there with it being softer and it being more towards the kind of target golf where you could just throw it in there and stop it and not worry about those slopes as much i think in april maybe the guys who are the better iron players a lot was made of jt going into it how he would probably have a good tournament because he's so good in his approach play maybe that was neutralized a little bit by the fact that uh it was playing softer and, and dj not to take anything away from him i mean you know he is as close to the full package as I think you can get on tour nowadays. But if there was one thing that was maybe uh, he's not quite as good at, when you look at someone like Rory, who's a similarly high club head speed player, is DJ doesn't hit the ball miles up in the air because he plays with such a shut face at the top or a lofted face at the top. So yeah, it, it's again, it just goes back to that point about November masters. Maybe it's, it's different in a few, in a few ways in terms of identifying the best players in certain categories. JT never looks lethal, though, does he? Whenever you see him up near the top in a big event, I never sit there and think, he's not seriously going to go and win this. It's not part of the plan for him. He'll mm. just sort of, like, drift away quietly in his own... He's kind of like almost that Ricky Fowler scenario. I know that's I don't know. I think he was unfair. shooting, like, lights out for for one day, and then he just couldn't really find it. I for... know the guy's a good golfer. I'm just being a bit controversial here, though, right? But, you know... you. I never see him and think this guy's just going to absolutely destroy the field here. He's going to bring the course to its knees and he's going to eclipse mm. the entire field. He's always sort of feels like, I don't know, whenever I see him there, I never thought the person I was genuinely rooting for with two people probably that I thought were probably going to give him a good run was um, Sung JM and, and Cameron Smith. I mean, Smith put on an absolute stripe show on the pretty much every, every, every nine. Just before we move on to just before we move on to Smith though, cause I, I'm not quite done with Langer. I mean, I did tweet about this, um, if he got up there, genuinely, if he got up there, you know, on a Saturday, is someone gonna call it? He has though. He's been there. He was up there in contention in 2016, Mills. But if he's clearly anchoring, I mean, I'm, I'm doing this on screen. No one can see me. But like, I don't. I thought the rule was there had to be daylight between chest and putter. I mean, yeah, but well, there's shirts there, and there's shirts there in the way, and he's he's not. 
he's winning on Champions Tour as well. Don't forget, he's winning literally every PGA Tour Champions event going. I don't know. I can't comment on the. Well, I've, I've I mean, also I, I've also heard that people have, have refused to sign his card on the Champions Tour. Why? Conjecture because of the anchoring. Yeah, I mean that's that that mm. your credible source there is someone who replied to a tweet, I think, Tom. And that's I'm not yes, sure. That's, that's where I heard it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> can we just hold can we just go hard? Yeah. I mean let's well, just or, or let alone a court of law. <laughs> can we start to dial in A on what anchoring means and B whether Langer is anchoring? And if he's anchoring, then surely other players are out there as well. Bruce, you are itching to tell us about uh-uh. anchoring. I'm not that bothered about the anchoring thing. I just want to jump in with a sort of point of order about Mill saying if he's actually up there. Langer was tied third um, at the third ra- in the third round of the Masters in 2016 when Willett um, ended up going on. He ended up going on and winning that one. Um, so I think he's already been up there at a point in time where if anyone was going to call him on it, they probably would have. So, yeah, I don't I can't say I've scrutinized it closely enough. But but Bryson, again, though, when you say it it can't be, you know, anchored to any point of the body, like, I don't know if Bryson having the shaft going the whole way up his arm, up his forearm, within the spirit. So maybe they've just gone soft on it. But, you know, in a game where one of the hot topics is about increasing participation and making making it welcome to all, I don't know if we're just getting lost in the, yeah, but hang on. Day. I think that's an easy cop-out, isn't it? cop How many beginners do you know are turning up with broom handle putters <laughs> and trying to anchor them into their chest, Bruce? I mean, it's hardly the most... In, it's not the most intuitive way to hit a golf ball, oh, is it? I, I mean, uh, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there are bigger fish to fry in terms of... Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, there's the bigger issues no. on the table. If, if, if the man's that brittle that he has to anchor <laughs> the flat stick to, to get his way around a golf course, I just think... Fair enough. Well, you know. I, I kick this off, hang on, by saying the guy has played really he good. Isn't it, great, isn't it great to see Langer playing great golf in the Masters at the age of 63? And Mills asked, and, and, and you, Bruce, you're both as bad as each other after getting bogged down in this protracted rules debate and starting to dissect the minutia. I, for one, am happy Langer's had a good week. Um, I don't think it makes much difference. I think if he's taking... Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean it's a victimless crime as well, isn't it? Anchoring on the PGA no, Tour no, champion. there is a victim. Where you, where you there is, there is a victim. Like Phil Mickelson with like 100 million in career earnings and stuff. So, no, yeah, no, no, um, there is a victim. Yeah. And the victim is poor old Webb Simpson. He's the victim in all this. Is he putted so well with the with the with the broom handle, and then he just Scott. went off the boil for three years. Oh, Scott. Scott's come back to it, to be fair. Okay, um, well, we're gonna, I'm going to move us on from this. Well, this, no, can this, I just this, drop one little bit of wisdom in there though? Because I'd just, rather you, you didn't, know, Bruce. To be honest with you, but yeah, okay. Well, you, you say it doesn't make a difference, um, and I, I said that as well. The one slight issue, and obviously being familiar with the Augusta Greens, ha- having been a past champion there and getting to play this event every year, etc. This plays into it, but Langer did um, gain 9.46 strokes on the field putting at the Masters, so mm. take that away. Um, <laughs> that's, you know, that's pretty punchy. Yeah. That's tasty. Second, that's, second only, that's second only to Cam Smith. Who uh, again? I, I don't mean to be uh, particularly bullish or or just you know nit nitpicky here, a smart Alec. But Blood. you said he was you said he was putting on a stripe show earlier, Sam. That's just categorically <laughs> not true. The guy was <laughs> the guy was just bla- blazing it all over the park and just getting up and down from everywhere. So again, lossy I mean, mouth, two thousand and two thousand and twelve, or whatever you talk about. 
Uh, just a, an unbelievable putting exhibition. The one thing that was very nice to see at the Masters was, I think maybe for the first time ever, cookie jar golf's influence starting to have an effect on the way golf is broadcast across the world. Did you guys spot this? What, the jacket's green? Like the cookie no. jar colour? No, well, no, th- that as well. But I think maybe we're secondary That's there. That's shocking, Tom, chap. Can you Tom, take that did out? you spot it? <laughs> take did that you, out, Tom. <laughs> was it the drone? There was a little drone. I was, I'd say I was, a, they've always had the blimp. I just thought there was some nice arty camera angles going on out there. Um, and, and I thought it was just, it felt like a little bit of an Eric Anders Lang film being interspersed into a high quality tournament. <laughs> I did hear Tiger yeah, I did hear Tiger say in an interview, "Is like it's really different. Yeah, yeah, it's really different this year um, because he's like usually <laughs> I can hear Tiger. the roars. It's like usually I can hear the roars from the next green, but all I can hear is the drone buzzing above my head." <laughs> um, I did like the drone footage. I thought it was um, it brought a new perspective to things. Mm. I don't think they prob- as the players probably appreciated it because. Those things do make a racket. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I, I, I would agree that there was whizzing around. Is. Well, there was. They were flying it constantly back down sixteenth, which obviously you've got the fifteenth green because it's got the the pond at the rear, hasn't it, and the and the pond at the front of the green. And they were pretty close to where they're putting. And I was thinking, considering we do that when we go and play golf courses, I'm not sure I'd want to be stood on the final round on you know four holes in yeah. trying to hold something, and I got this thing buzzing away oh yeah i mean on that note on that note mills now i've got a good one i mean when i've opened up an eight shot wound (laughs) on sam through the front line of castle stewart and he he then nearly throws his his wedge into the murray estuary after mills gets the drone a little bit too close to him and says for god's sake mills i'm trying to play golf here you know if, if sam finds it that bad in a little sort of bounce game between me and him on tour in scotland a few weeks back God, God only knows what these well, players are That drone are was through. stupidly close on Castle Stewart. It was so close. It was literally impeding my follow-through at one point. It's no bloody wonder I hit a hosel rocket. Can we move on past my own shanks? Because I haven't played golf for a few weeks and I haven't actually thought about it, to be fair. Um, Tom, what were you going to say? Hopefully it was something informative and witty and not about me. I believe the, the shot the camera on 16th was on a wire. Bloody hell. There were drones there, but mm. I think they'd, they'd introduced something called a fly cam down 16, which was a camera <laughs> on a wire from top to bottom, um, which is where I was going with it. So they can't blame their shanks on that. So um, who's, but there who, were drones. Who's going to have a run around. then at um, – who's going to have a first run at Bryson's past 67 chat then? Because there's no way mm. we're getting off this pod without discussing this, is it? Let's be honest. So who's going to have a run at it first? I'll crack into it first. Okay. First of all, like you said earlier on, it was, it was always going to happen when it was so hyped up and so Bryson heavy but going into it. He was never going to walk it. Second of all, I think I, I kind of sympathize with him in a way because lots of players think it. I'm sure Rory McIlroy goes out there and thinks the third is almost drivable. And all the par fives are gettable. So in my head, I should be playing this like a 67. And I sympathize with Bryson in a way because we want these players to be open and honest and we want them to come out and be a, show a bit more personality and be a bit more relatable. And Bryson's come out there and just said what probably many other people are thinking. And because he didn't achieve it, he's been shredded. 
And I kind of feel sorry for him. Yeah. I don't know. That's a pretty don't good Don't go and comeback. expose yourself in the first place, mm, I think. You I mean, just don't, you don't say need to go it, out there you? and Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, I think Tiger, to be fair to him, again, uh, I'm very conscious that I might be dropping my third real clangor of this pod, but I don't think Tiger, back when he was winning, would go out and, and just set himself up for failure mm. in the way that Bryson has and a lot of other people have. I mean, there were guys like Rory Sabatini who were saying that they were going to take down Tiger back in, you know, 2006, 7, 8 or whatever, and then they would look like the idiots when he just mm. kind of, stayed quiet and went about his business and then he'd have a ch- chuckle with him after. You know, the classic was the Stephen Ames thing where Stephen Ames said, yeah, Tiger's hitting it all over the place in the WGC. And Tiger didn't say a peep and then just went and rolled him nine and eight and said, yeah, taught, taught, that, taught, taught that guy a lesson. And that's kind of what Bryson should have done, if, if I'm being honest. Is it, I think if he was more mature, he would have just said, yeah, I like my chances, kept it all kind of pretty reasonable and quiet and then gone and opened yeah. up a wound on the golf course. And, and if he'd have won the green jacket, then then he could have talked about it after. But yeah, I just think it's trash talking in golf. Just don't really go together. It's not a good look, is it? That's the truth. Yeah. You, but, mm. and, I, and it's all for like, I'm all for saying like, they want to be relatable. I want them to kind of, the nicest part was seeing DJ kind of getting choked up doing a speech. Cause it was like, yeah, that really meant something to the guy considering he's such a steely kind of ice cold warrior when he plays. That was mm. nice to see. I don't think that means Mills running your mouth and saying, how you are going to bring a golf course to its no, knees before you've gone and played 72 <laughs> holes of, of kind of intense championship golf. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, 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 that is I mean, I want to be real, but I'm not going to stand on the tee and say, look, I'm just going to bring this thing to its knees. I mean, I'm playing this as a 64. You boys are playing it game to me which is basically what he did when he when he and in his defense though in his defense he did say it's going to come down to chipping and putting um uh, which you know was was a bit moderation but yeah i think as the media does uh, and maybe part of it was his own fault in that the balance was overwhelmingly towards yeah like i'm gonna be able to play this golf course in a way that it's never been played before i thought the the most bizarre thing about it was how bad his wedge play appeared i mean just the mm. fact that he flirted with the cut even right down to his 36th hole where he smoked a drive up there and then just air mailed the green with a wedge like a five, from, yeah how, i mean how far away was his wedge shot was his approach shot it was just about, bonkers. It was about 150 think, was it okay yeah which is yeah. nothing for him, it's for him. Mm. yeah um and uh, yeah i think he may who knows maybe he comes back in april and and plays really well it's very hard to say whether this strategy is going to pay off on the basis of such a small sample size, but, um, but it's, it's interesting because yeah. he did say, he came out and said, I'm going to, on the 13th, I'm going to fly those trees and I'm going to play it from the 14th fairway. I mean, he's he blasted the driver down there. He didn't get anywhere near. No, he didn't get, he didn't get anywhere, anywhere near. near. But I thought Augusta looked, I mean, this is typical armchair pundit, Sam comment coming here. So you can take me down for this one. I didn't. I thought Augusta felt long. This tournament, it felt <laughs> it felt long. <laughs> it felt felt it long. Seemed, for it someone who's long, watched the Masters long. and never played golf there for most of his most of his life, it felt long. And I'm saying that because I just remember seeing a lot of long irons and thinking. I just remember yeah. seeing Answer hitting like three wood into. Is it the? Um, well, Tiger hitting three wood into fifteen, like or five wood into fifteen, or something like that. It was like, Christ, taking... this is long. And then there's obviously no run on the ball, but 
yeah. the, the course. And yeah. maybe that was a mix of, you know, kind of heavy ground, um, probably a little bit of slightly colder air temperature. Um, yeah. I don't know whether there was COVID up there in the air as well, but there was something slowing the ball down. COVID's yeah. dense. Yeah, COVID well, they were, they're, they're all still in T-shirts, weren't they? But I guess you didn't yeah. see... It's yeah, a little bit cooler, though, much. isn't it? It's not just, as, yeah. just be, before, while we touched on COVID, I mean, and we can't move on just yet from the Bryson chat. Did you hear that? That when he, after he only just made the cut on Friday, they were like, oh, Bryson, well, you've obviously not brought this course to its knees. You know, what's going on? He's like, well, I've mm. just gone for a COVID test. I don't feel, I don't feel great. Did so I've just gone for a COVID test. How did it come back? Yeah, it was negative, but. <laughs> I must have, yeah, I've got something. <laughs> Testing issues. I mean, it's straight out of the Jason Day Chambers Bay handbook, isn't it? Oh, vertigo. Oh, okay. Maybe I think I think Jason Day's genuinely got diagnosed vertigo there. So maybe we don't want to take shots at him. Sorry, Jason, if you listen to this, we'd love to have you on the pod. And if you want to talk about your vertigo, then that's fine. Sam Sam's just totally trivializing it. Bryson, though, yeah, I think there was a bit of, you know, I just play really badly and maybe I need to maybe I need to think need of a excuse. reason. I mean, Tiger but, and Rory did it as well. I remember they both, I think in, in different years, they've both withdrawn from the players citing toothache or something. So, yeah. yeah. Maybe next time I snap hook one up in the medal, I might just blame uh, <laughs> blame COVID on it. What I would say, though, is to tie in a few di- different bits and bobs from different pods, is Lou Stagner, after the US Open, said that the the long, long rough at courses isn't going to penalise the long hitters. And the only... Thing that can neutralize long hitters is trees and he said that because you can't hit through trees and you have to plot your way around the way the course dictates the way and i wonder whether augusta is just one of those courses that's so heavily tree-lined that he can't just blast his way through it because if he finds a tree or an object like that then he can't he's well, stuck. that and heavily sodden grand short left of the third I, I part of me wondered if zach johnson had gone out moonlighting with a hose the night before that <laughs> round and just thought if i can turn, <laughs> if i can get this ground absolutely saturated by the time these balls are landing these boys are never going to find them because it that thing must i mean it must be about six feet below the ground i mean they were looking for it but if it's gone into the you could hear it on the tv it was so wet and that genuinely genuinely stuffed them i think didn't it I mean, ten, <laughs> ten's a hard hole for them at the best of times but those balls are coming in with snow on them off the 10th tee and every single one the the players most of the time unless they stuck it right on the right hand side of the fairway they were all hitting scalpy sort of like you know mud balls as they were calling them and i think it was true the balls were landing and they've got you know half a pound scalpy. of sod on them they are they've got like a pound of sod just lying on the side of the golf ball i mean it doesn't inspire confidence from 220 doesn't quite it mem- quite memorable in that respect though isn't it <laughs> quite quite memorable masters in just that respect though in that you know we watched the world number two whilst he was right in the mix, just hit a stone-cold top mud ball three-wood <laughs> on the eight. And then we've watched one of the hot favourites lose a drive two yards off the fairway, also <laughs> because he's embedded it. Quite, I'll tell you why. And this is what deeply. winter golf is about. This is why winter golf is yeah, fantastic. Yeah. It's a brilliant leveller. Um, yeah. Anyway, no, moving play, on. No yeah. placing at Augusta. <laughs> we, we're not, we've not done play... No, I shouldn't say. In a British accent, incredible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. The... Uh, the the other thing just on the course was there was a few camera angles that weren't the most flattering. Now, you know, we're always we always talk about this on the pod, you know, 
golf is not a gardening experience. Augusta, as fantastic as it is, does sometimes set a slightly false expectation around golf courses. But then there was a few camera angles where it's obviously heavily shaded ground. And I thought, hmm, this definitely does not look like the Augusta. No one ever said it on the commentary for fear that someone with a green jacket would have just come up with a sort of uh, chloroform over the hand, hand handkerchief and just sort of pulled them out of, the, <laughs> out of their job. But that was... Did you not see that? It was like the back of the mm. 12th green, I think 13th tee. Some of it looked like, um, I mean, I'm not going to so, go so far as to say local municipal, but it did look patchy. And that's not through any other reason other than the fact they've moved it to a time of the year when the course would have only just opened for play. But I thought it was quite a nice um, moment of realisation for people that you can't have verdant green grass on every inch of the property 12 months of the year. Good recovery there, Sam. I think your Augusta invite may just still be intact. I walked it back sufficiently. I'm learning. <laughs> I'm learning. Um, I walked it back well. No, I mean, I think you're right, though. Like, you know, there are a few tee boxes. I think 17 was probably the first time I noticed it, the 17th tee box, where it just looks a little bit bare on the tee. Um, and that's because they obviously burn the grass off. Um, all our listeners will know this because they're obviously all very educated. But those who don't... Um, if it, because they just because they just burn it off from is it April a couple of weeks after the Masters is usually held or May they just burn off the grass right through the summer and then they overseed it I think September time maybe September October time um, and that's obviously you know the course will be coming back into shape now um, but with that deluge of rain that they had on Thursday and maybe even earlier in the week um, over those kind of bare patches and the Bermuda grass as well kind of creep creeps through a little bit and yeah it just doesn't look as uh, as as lush and verdant as you said sam as, as it does in april but um i didn't know if woods was going for a head greenkeeper job or something but there was an awful <laughs> lot of agronomy discussed whenever woods was interviewed yeah. did anyone else notice that yeah it just there makes a, the uh, a level of agronomy <laughs> yeah. the rye bermuda sort of you know sandy and acidic it was all coming out of his mouth at one Get him on the, get him on the There was a lot of talk. <laughs> this is this is coming from someone who has no idea about different grasses, but there was a lot of talk about why the mixture of rye and, and Bermuda would make such a pickle for chipping. Does anyone know why why this would be? It's just the way yeah. it turf reacts, isn't it? So Are you talking about rye? Yeah. Is there rye grass there? I thought it was... Don't try and twist this around for January Lynx Golf on the south coast again. Bruce, I'm not having that. I know not to drop it in every opportunity. Bermuda grass, I think that's where it rolls up the face a little bit more, doesn't it? So I think different types of grass, when you hit it, it just becomes, you get a very different kind of feel at impact. So, mm. so what they're saying is like two different chips would react differently. Yeah, basically. It's yeah, like Kaikuya, it kind of rolls up the face, doesn't it, famously. So you've got to hit them, you've got to hit your chips really shallow on Kaikuya. And then Ryan Bermuda are also completely different. I think Bermuda is... Again, it's quite sort of nappy, quite heavy grass. So you've got mm. to, you know, again, there's a, you can't sort of hit those running shots so well. Um, whereas yeah, I think rise a finer grass. Yeah, the, the the interaction with the leading edge and the bounce of the club, I think, just varies a little bit from from. If we've impressed some and... of our listeners with agronomy there, boys, and we got out of that one, <laughs> tell you what. So do you think? Do you off. think Tiger? Do you think Tiger blamed his? Um, his 10 on the various types of grass that are knocking about. No, but there was, there was probably more water left of the third green where Bryson lost his than where Tiger put his t-shirt on 12. Um, it was, it was hard to watch that. 
It was hard to watch, wasn't it? it let's was... be honest. And look, mm. I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't slam the guy for it. A couple of shots weren't there. I mean, his first tee shot on twelve was first class as well. It was a decent yeah. shot. Just fizzed. <laughs> yeah. 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 It looked like it was. A, and then he fizzed, really he, he was fizzed a, a wedge and. Yeah, poor Wedge. I think like, if we, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and just say something slightly outrageous, but I think if we'd have been in that position with the Wedge in hand, we'd have actually done a better job because as weaker players, hang on, hear me out. As weaker players, we're not thinking, right, well, let's just knock this into four or five feet or leave ourselves a putt up the hill to, to give ourselves a chance of bogey. We'd just be like, right, okay, just get this, get this on the surface, get this yeah, on dry ground. On even if you go 20 feet past, whereas pros and certainly someone of his caliber is just not thinking that, are they? So he's still being aggressive with the wedge and then he's razzed it back into the, the creek again. So, but um, just running with I, that, I'd have why do we see to, more people? To make a seven, maybe. I think but we could you have see more of this at the Masters with people compounding a mistake with another mistake for some reason than you would see. Now, I don't know if that's the setup of the course or if it's the moment, but 15 is another great example. You remember Sergio, I think he, mm. when he was defending, put one in and then reloaded like about 12 golf balls. He pretty much emptied the bag into, into the pond, didn't they, afterwards? Yeah. By the end of it, he was just unloading sleeves of but balls. But they do. Just they do. Into yeah, the... just, 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 just literally just dropping them out. Them out. That, that's someone who's never paid £5 a Pro V1 right there. But why? Why, why do they compound the issue there? Is it because is it because it's set up, you know, with such precision that any, they're only the smallest miss? I don't buy that because I don't I don't think Augusta's the hardest course those boys play in April, let alone the year. I think it's it just ha- it just the greens are slick and they're very receptive. So I don't know. You do see it though, and yeah, yeah I don't think you want to overread it too much or or, or read into these isolated examples too much like yeah Sergio made a 11 or 12 or whatever it is a few years ago and Tiger's made a 10 but you know those are isolated instances and they stand out for a reason I think yeah. if you went back and looked at winged foot or you went back and looked at the PGA at Hardin Park or the US Open last year Shinnecock wherever you'd find some absolute horror shows at all those courses um they just they just stand out because it's the best players in the world doing it yeah but for those of you who didn't uh, see any of Tiger's 10 or even any of the shots, you can always go back and relive them on the Masters app, which... Did you guys get this? I thought the app was amazing. Mm. I didn't download it. No, I just used the website and the know? leaderboard. But they oh, the covered every, the same, everyone's every shot. shot, didn't they? Yeah. That's yeah. unparalleled, yeah. Incredible. Uh, it was brilliant. It was really good. And I was, like, dipping in and out of... You know, you'd look at someone who's mid-table and see what happened with their round. I think it was a really, really good thing to have. And I, I don't... Bit of split-screen action going, Sam. It can't be that hard to achieve in a normal PG. I know going into a coverage is not always our style, but I, don't, I can't be that hard to achieve for PGA Tour stuff. Like, why couldn't we have all the shots available? Because they track them anyway for shot link data, which gives you the strokes gain stuff. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's different tech, to be mm, fair. But... Yeah, but they, most of the time they've got eyes on most of the holes, haven't they? Yeah, but easy without spectators, do... though, isn't it, mate? Far yeah, easy. But how many times have you seen a hole in one on the PGA Tour where it hasn't been televised? <laughs> Patrons. Patrons, mate. You're a heathen. There's no spectators at uh, Augusta. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. We, we that. There's no, <laughs> there's no, no patrons. Yeah. Oh, hang on. There's a man here with chloroform on his handkerchief coming to get Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> No, there was a thing on the on the app that you could do, which I thought, like you say, it's so simple. You could pick your favorite players, and I had some bets on. I had some bets on um, KC's made top five and a few others, and you you could just say who you were following, 
and they made you like a televised um, grouping. So just every time one of your players took a shot, it just pinged up on you as something to watch. And it was just like, it was so quality. I thought that's the way that it's all got to be moving forward, I think. I don't know why they can't just adopt it everywhere else. Well, fair. But no, that was good. Oh, the whole thing was good fun, wasn't it? Really enjoyed. Mm. Um, do you think it was a different viewing experience without uh, Zip patrons? Because I, I think what I noticed yeah. more, most of all this year is you could see other holes in relation to the hole you're watching, which made it much more, I think, relatable as a golf course. Mm. Does that make sense? I thought it made it more interesting. Yeah. You're like, oh, wow, that, that, that. Those are kind of some crossing They're points. They're not framed, and... are they, all of them, the greens? Like, it's interesting looking at sites like 9 and 18 and the way that there's very little around there, actually. Playing mm. that in a, you know, if you're lucky enough to go and play there, which after my comments earlier this podcast sound certainly questionable at this stage, if I ever get the chance, it would be quite a strange experience standing again up to like the ninth and the 18th green. There's very little around it to frame it. You do see a completely different aspect of the um of the course as you go through um so yeah i'll I, I subscribe to that so that's a fair shout and and quite enjoyable nice seeing a few um non-socially distanced patrons out there presumably they're just augusta <laughs> national members who just float above it but there was uh, there was like a squad of about 100 that were just hunting yeah. on mass weren't they sort of arm yeah. in arm um and at one point, do you remember the girl who sits behind the 16th tee um, with the flowery dress and the dangly earrings and the massive sunglasses? Um, she's sort of like George's answers to Pat Butcher off EastEnders. She sort of like jumped around <laughs> and made the, made, the, made the hole in I one. Have not no, I have not noticed this. No. <laughs> right, we'll go back and look at any footage of a hole in one last 10 years at Augusta National and you're going to see her sat there. I'm it's the same woman. I'm convinced I saw her in the in the in the small gallery of patrons, but, but a lot of the time the the shots were obscured, so I only saw parts of what I thought the clothing that she would typically wear would be, sort of a heavily heavily floral patterned jumpsuit or something of that ilk. But um, that's something you've got to have a really keen eye for, I think, in this game to be to be thinking about. Probably not well, something all of our listeners will have noticed. What's the point of this monologue? It's an appeal well, out there. there. Oh, I know what it is. It's an appeal out. It's an appeal out there to the to the girl in the flowery dress. Because somewhere, somewhere, someone's going to listen to this. Who's gone? Yes, I know exactly who that guy Sam's talking about on this podcast is. That woman who jumps around like absolute crazy on about every hole in one for the last ten years. Check it out. I, I will. I will certainly go and check Bloody that out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We need to start tying this up because it's getting ridiculous. Very quickly, anyone surprised at Rory? Being honest, no. Oh. Uh, Sad, it's, isn't it? It's tricky. I mean, I mean, I don't want to be too one-dimensional with it and say, well, you know, he just bottles it and he's he's got the sort of first round kind of jitters because I think that's a bit simplistic. And he's had a tough restart really um since may june time he's not performed as well in any event really as as he was doing this time last year or or even sort of january february march time so i don't think you can just say oh if only he'd had a good first round if he'd have shot a four under first round he'd have been right there with dj till the end it's like well i don't think the game really works like that you've got to marry sort mm. of 
technical proficiency in your swing with a relaxed mindset. And the guy has just been honest over the last few weeks. He says like his swing, he just doesn't feel that comfortable with it. He's just getting a bit too far under plane and he's struggling a bit with it. And I guess when the, the pressure's eased off you and you've kind of played your way out of it a little bit after the first round, then it's maybe not a surprise that he goes and frees it up. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to the typical pundits answer that um he's just kind of lost a step mentally i think he'll win the masters one year but i think he'll win it in his 40s or something so i think it'll be like um a darren clark sort of scenario you know written off largely by the golfing media and then come back and surprise because he's he it's Mm. almost like on these sorts of stages the more everyone wants him to do it the less likely he is to do it do you know what i mean he's almost become a bit of a pantomime character for you know here we go, massive tournament. Rory's just just completely mm. blown it again on day one. But, you know, we all want him to do it. Um, doesn't look likely, does it, at the moment? But, you know, we all want to be corrected. Well, I think DJ is probably going to win the Grand Slam before Rory or Spieth at this rate, I think. I heard, um, I was listening to one of the other less, less well-known podcasts out there recently, and they were talking about Rory going for the Grand Slam. And... uh this person goes, yeah, but I mean, it's not the real Grand Slam, is it? It's the career Grand Slam. And I was like, what are you on about? I'm not going to say which podcast <laughs> this was. And they were like, got a name and shame here. Haven't got to won, name and shame. Haven't, you know, it's not a proper Grand Slam if you don't win them all in the same year. Tiger didn't yep. do it. Do you know who did? Jack. And I was like, I, there was some really poor quality golfing media out what there. What are you smoking? Seriously. Yeah absolutely outrageous who was that and i think did you just sample the yeah. whole marketplace sam <laughs> i spent a lot of time on this it's just trying to work out just trying to work out people who we can slam publicly uh, um, can i just actually just a sort of minor point of gossip more than anything that's maybe only distantly related to the masters um jack nicholas's uh social media has been hotting up recently over the last few weeks posted a nice a um, image yeah. A ni- nice image of him in his green jacket at the Masters. I don't know whether it's from this year or from previous years. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Jack came out, um, Mr. Nicholas, I should say, the Honourable, um, came out a few weeks ago in support I'm of Mr. Elder, Trump. who's going to be yeah. doing the blood teeing off next year. Let's carry on. He, um, yeah, he came out in support of um, Donald Trump for in the US election a few weeks ago, posted a, 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 you know, um, a few hundred words on his on his grid, on his Instagram grid, grid explaining why, um, got a torrent of abuse from quite a few golfers. Um, and that still, still seems to be with him today, actually, because this green jacket image that he posted yesterday or a couple of days ago, <laughs> a couple of the comments on there, I mean, they might, they work, they, they make for quite, um, compelling <laughs> procrastination. If you, you know, got a slow morning at work <laughs> or whatever, and you want to just go through those comments and just have, have a giggle at, uh, 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 people's view of Jack Nicholas after he declared himself as a Trump voter is just <laughs> quite remarkable, really. And I, I'm not giving a view here on 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 US politics, but just the fact that people react so strongly to a golfer in the way he voted, I thought it was quite amusing. Um, as soon as he's my <laughs> my personal, um, please do personal favorites, Bruce. We all need this. Okay, so this is my my fav my 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 favorite comment. Um, Jack put up a picture of. Uh, him at the masters saying i can't imagine sunday of the 1986 masters without patrons i don't know if i could do it to a very large degree the crowd and the patrons are what fueled me on to do what i did etc etc um anyway 
Someone who shall remain anonymous in the comments says, The stupidity in this comment section reflects the stupidity of Jack's most Trump-supporting post. We just had 150,000 new cases. Stay home, wear a mask, and shut up, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) And and Nicholas hadn't actually mentioned anything there, really, uh, about about you know the merits of lockdown and covid and the reaction to it just basically said it's a shame there's no patrons there which i think we could all agree with um yeah there you go if you want to be lit up go to jack nicholas's followers they'll uh, they'll torture retreat <laughs> and if you want to be taken hideously off topic listen to the cookie jar golf podcast what i really like about bruce is every week he serves us up with something i can use as a soundbite yeah. it's without fail it's... oh sorry can i can show you another one here um Jack Jack posted a comparison of him and Tiger because obviously you know they're both ranked 33rd in the world and they're both a certain number of shots back after the, um, the second round in their careers um, so Jack was saying yeah I hope Tiger can do it this year etc 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 DKY Wong went on and said uh, go home Jack and take your Trump endorsement with you <laughs> <laughs> genius stuff sounds like a good that. read if you get bored but hmm until then i think we've only got six months to wait so we can babble crap until then but uh in the meantime we're going to be really shitting out content we are going to be dropping heat onto youtube now for the foreseeable future the chamber is full the chamber of secrets is open and we'll be trying to match that up with some <laughs> we'll be trying to match that up with some equally interesting uh podcast content so until then it's been good chatting to you and we'll speak to you next time adios hasta luego this.